We are so glad that you're here today. Um, my name is Jeremy, and I'm the campus pastor here of our Canton campus. We have two campuses for Mount Perrin North, one in Marietta and one here in Canton. And I am, uh, I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, we're just so glad that you've chosen to be with us. Today we are continuing in a year-long study of the book of Ephesians. Uh, I say this about every week, but just so that we're all on the same page, you know, we haven't been in Ephesians every single week, but by and large, we've been in Ephesians the majority of this year. We've jumped into and out of some different series and some different studies, but for the most part, our emphasis all year long when we come to this portion of our service is to look at the book of Ephesians and to see what God would say to us through this letter written by Paul to the church in the city of Ephesus. We spent a long time, the majority of the first part of this year, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, which really set the doctrine and helped to lay out the foundational truths for these people in Ephesus. And we started last week in chapter 4 in a brand new series called One. It was really based around the idea there in chapter 4, the first six verses that says there's one faith and one baptism and there's one Father and God who's over all and in all and through all and so the idea being that there's one here, there's just a one story, exactly what we just saying. There's just really one story. We try to write our own stories, but there's one story here. It's God. And, and Paul is writing to this church in the city of Ephesus and trying to help them to see that. And today we're going to jump in at verse seven of Ephesians four. So if you've got a Bible, you can flip there. And we're going to look today on the topic of diversity. Now, diversity is a word that might mean a lot of different things. It's been used in a lot of different contexts. And so uh, when you hear the word diversity, you may take it and think one thing while the person sitting next to you is thinking something else. So hopefully we can unpack this a little. And it makes a lot of sense to us in the context of this series. But we're going to look here at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. And the word, uh, the scriptures will be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But if you do, I'd love for you to join along with us. Begin reading in verse 7. It says this. Pardon me, was that me? All right. Now that I've got your attention, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, that last sentence, that last part of verse 13 is really what we are striving for, a fullness, a maturity, a fullness, the whole measure of fullness in Christ. Christ. And so we're going to kind of build toward that from verse seven. But see, there's a lot of things that you could look at here. But the first thing that I want you to see right up front in verse seven that you may not know, before, you may not have known before you walked in here is that each of us has been given grace by Christ. Verse seven said it right there. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it or, or, or gave that to us, split it up to us. Now, grace is a term that I have struggled with most of my life, and maybe you have as well. But the idea here that grace has been given to every single one of us, and it really sets the stage for what's coming here about how that grace has been apportioned to us. 
But before we get there, because before we jump into verse 11, which talks about the apostles and teachers and prophets and all those things, I want us to look at what are, to me, some out-of-place verses here, or maybe some very confusing verses when you look at the context. Verse 8, which we just read, and they're going to throw this back up on the screen, says this. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, when I read that... Knowing what the full context of this, you know, this passage here, these six verses that we're looking at today, I was really confused. And, and Paul even goes on to, to help us try to understand what he's, why he's even referencing this. But verse 8, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people, is a direct reference to Psalm 68. So if you've got your Bible, flip to Psalm 68 real fast, real, real fast. Some of you are just not going to flip there. You're like, I'm holding my place. It'll be on the screen, I'm sure. Psalm 68, verse 18 says this, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Now, there's some context to this psalm. Talking about David, uh, King David of the Old Testament. And David, this really is dealing a lot with the spoils of war. David was king over Israel and he was going out and and he was doing battle with other nations and they would come back. And and when they would come back, they would take the Ark of the Covenant. I don't have time to unpack all that, but the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God given to the people of God in the Old Testament. So they didn't have Jesus walking around with skin on like they had in the Gospels in the New Testament with the disciples where they could just look and see Jesus. So God gave them something. He gave them the Ark of the Covenant. You can read about it where where God's presence literally dwelt among them. And so they would take the Ark of the Covenant with them when they went to battle. And then when they returned from battle, they would take the Ark of the Covenant and put it back in its rightful place in the temple. And so the idea being here that this psalm says that you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, talking about receiving the gifts that came from the spoils of war. And then King David was able to kind of apportion or disseminate those gifts to the soldiers and to the people of that nation. And there's really three things back in Ephesians, three general ideas that we look at that some people say this is what this is what Paul's referring to. The first is when he talks about you ascended on high, there is there's some idea if he ascended on high that he descended somewhere, right? Because if you ascend, then you're you're coming from somewhere in a in a lower level. So he descended. The first view is what Paul says there. He says, What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly region? Some people take that very literally and say this is just talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is talking about Jesus coming from heaven to earth, living as a man, and then ascending back after his resurrection back to heaven, back to the Father. The second uh, common thought here about what Paul might be referencing is this reference to Psalm 68. That it's describing David and David as king, but it's really referencing or representing David as a representation of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. Which David is, ref- is, is representative of, of the Messiah a lot throughout his story. So it's representative of the Messiah and the ark, the presence of God being taken back and placed where it's supposed to be. And then all of the things that the king would then have being able to give those to his people, which we're going we're gonna to get to in just a minute. Because Paul does reference that we receive gifts, we receive grace from the Father. And the third is that Christ descended into the depths of hell, was victorious there, and ascended again back to the Father. Now, no matter what any of, no matter which of those three you think it might be, or you go, yeah, that makes sense, I'll, I'll take that. None of these three things break new theological ground. 
all three of these things are true. All three of these things happened in Scripture and can be corroborated somewhere else in Scripture. So they all help us to understand this simple truth. That the grace that we get from Christ is rightfully his to give because he not only descended from heaven somewhere, but he ascended, is sitting at the right hand of the Father and has the ability to give to us, to apportion to us this grace, this spoil of war, this thing that we don't deserve. And so he says that to us. No matter what you see about that, we we have to understand first and foremost, before we get into the kind of the meat of what we're going to deal with the rest of the day, that Christ has given grace, given a free gift of grace to each one of us. All right, so let's jump now back into verse 11 of Ephesians 4. So we kind of jumped past all the rest of that where Paul is, is explaining what he was saying there in verse 8 in reference to Psalm 68. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, these words here, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Some of these words may be familiar to you. Um, I'm a pastor here at this church. I am a, a teacher for our church. I teach in several different environments. This is one of those. I teach sometimes on Wednesday nights and in other classes and things. So um, those are kind of roles, responsibilities, even offices of the church. They're also sometimes considered to be callings. But they're also referenced in other places in the New Testament. This is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time over the next few minutes. Some of these are also referenced as gifts. Again, we talked about the gift of grace that Christ gave to us. As gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been dealing with the Holy Spirit for, uh, for several weeks now. We talked about the Holy Spirit at the end of July. We referenced uh, that, the Holy Spirit just a few weeks ago again. But I want us to look for a few minutes at the idea of spiritual gifts. Because as we kind of form our community here, we're eight months old or a little less than eight months old. As we form this community, uh, this body, this, this church, I want us to make sure we're all on the same page as what we believe and understand about spiritual gifts. All right, so we're going to jump around a little bit. Everybody with me? Three people are with me. Awesome. Everybody with me? All right, there we go. Good stuff. Here we go. I want you to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you were in Ephesians, just flip the pages from left to right. You're going back to the left. You're going backwards here. A couple of books. Um, We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what it says, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump to verse 4. It says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now, let me stop right here and say the same guy that's writing the letter of Ephesians to the city of Ephesus is writing this letter of 1 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians to the city of Corinth, to a church there, to a people there. All right. And this first uh, first two verses, this is Paul and it's a spiritual word. You guys may not understand it. It's called sarcasm. I don't know if you've ever heard that. But what he's saying to these people in Corinth, he's saying this. He said, listen, when you were pagans, when you were unbelievers, somehow you were influenced and led astray. You chose to believe in mute, dumb idols. And now I'm going to tell you about a God that is alive and active and speaks into our lives. That's what he says. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds. I think I just repeated myself. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. 
To one is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, interestingly, that's a really parallel thought to what we just read in Ephesians 4, that he gives these gifts as he determines, as he apportions these gifts. So I've got a list here. We're starting a list and we're going to kind of add to this list the rest of the day. Here's some spiritual gifts that we just heard about. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So let's talk about words of wisdom is a spiritual gift where someone, uh, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, someone, God would speak through, the Holy Spirit would speak through them to give a word of wisdom for the general collective masses or maybe to an individual. Words of knowledge are something very specific that, that someone might speak to you that's, that's knowledge about a specific uh, instance in your life, a specific thing that they might tell you that's happened or something that, that is going on in your life, okay? Faith is, is, that's a common understanding. We would all understand that. Just faith to believe things that we may not see with our eyes. Healing is for the sick, all right? Miracles are the things that cannot be explained in the natural, Prophecy are things that are foretelling of things to come. So I'm, I'm giving a word of prophecy or I'm giving prophecy for something that hasn't happened yet. Discernment is the ability through the power of God to discern, to understand what is of the spirit and what is not of the spirit. So understanding, having discernment to know these are the things of God and these are the things that are not of God. Because in this present day, just as it was in the times of the scriptures, there's a lot of things that claim to be of God that are not. So we need good discernment there. Tongues, we've talked about this over the last several weeks, is the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through a believer. And they would speak in, an, in another language, an unlearned, sometimes an unknown language. And the interpretation of tongues is someone coming after a, a word has been given in tongues and helping to interpret, not translate that message. So sometimes, and, and, and this was confusing for me when I was growing up, I would hear someone give a message in tongues and, it, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. It might be, you know, 15 or 20 seconds. And then the interpretation might be a minute. I'd be like, why did it take so long to say the thing in English that they said in tongues? I was very confused. I'm, I'm serious. And, and, and they, someone who loved me and didn't look at me like, oh, you're an idiot. They, they, they helped me to understand this is not a translation of the message in tongues. This is an interpretation so that we as a body can understand what was said. If you jump down a little further in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to verse 28, it says this. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Stop right there. Does that sound familiar to what we just read in Ephesians 4? Very similar here. We're talking about the same things. In the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Also those having the gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, Paul is repeating several that he's already mentioned earlier in this chapter, but he's also, for this group, giving them some new ones that we know from Ephesians 4. So we're going to add to our list. Let's go back to our list. He's now added apostles, teachers, help, and administration. 
All right, so apostles is the apostolic leadership of the church. Teachers are those who help others to understand, um, to teach them the, the things of God. Uh, let's jump to administration. Administration are those that help facilitate the church. They help to administer and manage the church. And help was one, again, that always was something when I was growing up that was kind of added on. It just seemed to be like, you know, maybe you've got the gift of tongues or the gifts of interpretation or you've got the gift of helps. And to me, that sounded like something you would put ointment on. Like you've got the helps. It was something you didn't want to catch. Like you didn't want to get that. Like, oh, let's pray for her. She got the helps. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. But the idea being here that you're, you, know, you have the gift of literally helping others for the service of God. This is not just like, oh, you know, random acts of kindness necessarily. This is, this is being used by God to help others for his glory and for his honor. Let's jump to Romans chapter 12. You can continue flipping towards the left. Romans chapter 12. I want us to read a little bit more. This is what it says. Just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. This sounds very similar to what we're, we're trying to establish here as a community of faith. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Again, this grace that has been given to us by God. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So let's add to our list again what is, what's been added here. Serving, serving others for the purpose of the glory of God. Generosity, those who are able to help fund the ministry and give generously to help meet the needs of others. Leadership, those who lead a group in a, in a desired direction towards the things of God. And mercy, those who extend grace and mercy, who help those who can't help themselves. We have a, a list here. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just a, a portion of the things that we understand to be gifts of the spirit, spiritual gifts given by grace from God to the church, to the individuals within the church for a larger purpose. Now, the problem for a lot of us, and I say a lot of us so that you're as guilty as I am, is that we have gotten it all wrong when we look at the way the church is set up. We look at the church, and, and, I, and I'm guilty of this, and it's very hard for me to say this as I'm the one standing here right now, but we look at the church as having one person or maybe just a handful of people that operate in their gifts, and everybody else is just there to kind of observe their gifts being used. So we would, you know, we would stand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm the preacher, teacher, pastor today, so I'm using my gifts for God. OK, and, and no doubt J.J., who we're glad he's home from 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 college for a little while. J.J.'s using his gifts and he's singing and Justin and Danielle and Buffy, David, these guys, they're playing. They're they're sing, They're using their gifts, their, their their natural talent, natural ability that God has given them. They're 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 using their gifts today. You know, over in this hallway over here, we've got four children's classrooms. Most weeks with, you know, 50, 60, 70 children from birth to fifth grade. And they're over there and, and, and someone is using their gift to teach those children. And so they're using their gifts. But we have this inverted pyramid that says, you know, there's only one or two or a handful that are using their gifts in the church. And we all are just a part of the body that gets to maybe not enjoy the right word here, but we, we just kind of get to be there and, and watch them use their gifts. 
And let me tell you, that's not the way the church was established at all. That's not the way the church was established in any, any way. And if it is established that way, if you're a part of a church and that's not what we want to do here, if you're a part of a church like that, I would say get out. It's unhealthy because that's not what we read in Scripture. If you got your Bibles again, flip to 1 Peter chapter 4. If not, this is going to be on the screen as well. I know we're jumping around, but I want to hit a lot of things before we close. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. This is the New Living Translation. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I love that. Great variety. There's a ton of them. There's just a cross section of them. Use them well to what? Serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Listen to this. This is so challenging to me. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You got to ask yourself, is that what I'm doing? I mean, if I identify myself, can you throw the last list? I mean, the most complete list that we created. If you look at this and you go, man, I know that I have the spiritual gift of whatever. God has utilized me in this way. And and again, let me just kind of say this here that I didn't hit at the beginning. I think there is a perception that you only attain these when you achieve some type of spiritual maturity. Now, I'm not saying that that all of these gifts are for everybody because that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that Christ apportions to us. He gives us the grace to fulfill these things as he chooses. And it could be that God chooses to use you in one of these ways for a specific time. And then he chooses to use you in another way for another specific time at some other point. But I do believe that if you look at this list and you go, yeah, man, I, I see I see me on there somewhere. I believe that I have the gift of whatever administration. I got the helps. I've been working on it, but I got it. I've got the gift of leadership. I've got the, I've, I, God has used me. I've got the gift of, of faith. I've got the gift of mercy. I get the gift of teaching, of generosity. You look at this list and you see, man, I, I, I'm on there somewhere. I, I see, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be the best at it. If you're anything like someone very, very close to me that I'm married to, you would... You would look at this list and go, well, yeah, maybe, maybe God could use, but I'm, I'm not, there's somebody better than me at that. So no, if you see yourself on this list, you see that God could do this. Or maybe you say, man, you know what? I really believe that God's gifted me to do something else. It's not on this list, but I believe that it's not just something that I created or I even practiced enough, but God gave me the gift. And you don't see it on here. Then I would ask you, are you doing what we just read? Are you doing it as though God himself were doing that through you? Are you utilizing that gift? I mean, are you, are you doing that? Are you utilizing that? Are you, are you being a good steward of whatever it is that God has placed inside of you? Not so that people look at you and go, man, look how talented you are. Look how good you are. Look what God's doing. through. No, so that it's for him. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? I have to challenge myself all the time because I don't want to stand up here and speak so that it's just me speaking. I want to stand up here and speak as if God is speaking through me. That's what God wants to do in and through us. Let's jump back to Ephesians 4. This is going to kind of be where we land here. This is where we started. 
We're going to conclude with this last part of this passage that we read. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. And what we just saw is we just saw that, uh, I'm sorry, verse 12 and 13. What we just saw is that he said, you know, to the apostles, teachers, prophets, pastors. All right. And this is what it says right after that. It says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And let me tell you what statistics will tell us, because we've done studies, not just us as a church, but churches around the United States. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of churches that have taken part in a study that was commissioned by Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, Illinois. And this is what it tells us. That the more spiritually mature you become, the less you utilize your gifts to make sure we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The more Christ-centered that you become with your life, the less that you utilize all that God has given to you to really impact the lives of others so that they can continue to grow and develop with Christ to become Christ-centered themselves. That is a terrible indictment of mature Christians. Again, not just our church. I mean, thousands and thousands. Like the margin for error is very, very small because of how many hundreds of thousands of evangelical church attenders took part in the survey. The more Christ-centered you become, the less inclined you are to give of yourself for the sake of others. But what we understand here is that Christ has given grace to each of us and equipped us with spiritual giftings and, and given that to the members of the body of Christ, the body of the church, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So here's the question for us today. Every one of us, me included. What are you doing with what God has given to you for the sake of someone else? What are you doing with what God has given to you for the sake of someone else? Because if spiritual gifts are about you, then that's where it stops. But if spiritual gifts are about God using you to help impact, reach someone else for his glory, it is a never-ending cycle. Because as God flows through you to impact others, they see him, they make themselves available to be used by him to impact someone else. And we, the body, continue to be built up for the sake of, And the glory of God. If Christianity is only about you coming and sitting in a seat. To listen to me rant. For 30 minutes or to listen to this band. We've missed it. We've missed the point. A relationship with God for you personally is about more than you personally. It's about you growing to the place And that doesn't mean years. It just means flipping the switch of trusting God. But it's you getting to the place where you say, yes, Lord, use me for your glory. 
Yes, God, speak through me. Use what you've equipped me with for the sake of someone else. Now, an obvious question here. For some of you sitting in this room, maybe not everybody, because you did identify right there on the list. You said, man, that's me. I've got that. I do that. Maybe not well, but I want to develop that because I believe God speaks through me, does that through me for the sake of other people. Is How do I find out what my spiritual gift is? How do I figure out how God might use me? And I want to jump to a story in the Old Testament for like two minutes. Okay, It's it's in the book of Exodus. It's a guy named Moses. And I want to be careful to tell you that this is my take on this story as it relates to what we just read. I'm not claiming that this is some profound divine theological connection. But I do believe that there's a pattern to the way God works. This is in Exodus chapter 3. Moses is out in the wilderness and he's killed a guy. And so he's in this holding pattern of waiting to see, even though he's the promised child and he's going to set God's people free and deliver God's people. He's in this holding pattern out in the desert. And one day as he's tending his father-in-law's, you know, sheep there, this bush just bursts into flames and the bush is burning, but it's not really burning, but it's burning, but it's not burning. And Moses, it catches his eye. And so he walks over to this bush and then the voice of God speaks through the bush to Moses, at which point I run away. Okay. But God speaks out of the bush and calls him by name and speaks to him and begins to lay out the plan of God of how Moses is going to be utilized to to be all that God has, has foretold about him. And Moses gives just about every good excuse for why he is not capable of doing what God wants him to do. Like some of you have done in your head this morning. Yeah, God, I want to use my spiritual gift. I want to be used. I want to, I want to do something for the sake of others. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be for your glory, but I'm not fill in the blank. I'm not as talented as so-and-so. I'm not as good at this. I wish I could do this. I wish I didn't have the helps. I mean, I don't even know what that means, but I mean, I, so you just, you've justified it and you've worked on it. And Moses was doing the same thing to God. He says, Hey, I, I don't, I, I, I stutter. I don't, I don't, you want me to, I don't, you want me to stand. Some of you are uncomfortable. This is what Moses is talking to God about. You want me to stand before Pharaoh? I can't complete a sentence without stopping. Then he asked God this question. He says, what do I do if I get there and they don't believe that you really sent me? He says, you know what? How do I prove to them that I am on assignment from you? And God asks this really pointed question. This is what it says. I just lost my place. Here we go. It's in Ephesians 4. I think I said 3. I lied. Ephesians 4. Beginning in verse 2, it says, Then the Lord asked him, What do you have there in your hand? Now Moses asked God, What do I do if I get there and they don't believe me? What if they don't believe that I'm really on assignment from you? And God turns it back on Moses and says, What do you have in your hand? Moses says, I've got this shepherd's staff. Now, I, I don't know. I identify with Moses here. I'm thinking, if I'm supposed to go stand before Pharaoh, I'm not planning to bring my shepherd's staff. Probably going to leave that in the closet, right? The tent, whatever they had then. Probably not taking this ratty old thing I beat sheep over the head with. But God looks at him. He says, what do you have in your hand? He said, I've I've got a shepherd's staff. And then God says, throw it down on the ground. Says, the Lord told him that. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses was terrified, as would I be. 
So he turned and ran away, and then the Lord told him, take hold of it by the tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it became a shepherd's staff again. Your spiritual gift, quite possibly, is what is already in your hand. In your hand, it's a shepherd's staff. But through the work of God, when you release that spiritual gift back to the Lord, it's the miraculous. For you, it could just be that you sing in the shower. But when released to God, it could be that you lead people into his presence. For you, it could just be that, you know, you, the Lord has blessed you financially. But when you release it to the God, it's the spiritual gift of generosity that helps meet the needs of those who can't meet their needs themselves. To you, it's just that you just like to teach people whatever. You teach them how to use their cell phone. You teach them how to, you know, change a tire. You teach... But when released into the hands of God, it becomes the spiritual gift of teaching which reveals the truths about who God is and what it is that he wants to do in their life. I want you to look at your hand today. I mean, you've got to use some imagination here. What is it that's in your hand? What is it that you just think it's just, it's just nothing. It's just, I just, you know, I've just always enjoyed doing this. I've just, I just have the knack for it. I just, what is it that you hold in your hand that if you would release it to God, he could use that for his glory, for the sake of others. And here's the cool thing about the way that community under that one father that we talked about last week works. The way that community in the body of Christ really works. Your gift is not my gift. And my gift is not your gift. And the gift of the person beside you is not the gift of the person on the other side of you. Because we are a body. We read several references to this in all the different scriptures that we read today. But the idea that we are all different members of one body under one God. And if we would do what we were created to do, not just individually, but collectively, and every one of us would use our giftedness given to us by God for the sake of others, then we would find collectively that we meet far more needs together than we ever could on our own. We would find that we would find greater fulfillment individually because we find someone who comes along beside of us and complements the giftedness of God in our lives with the giftedness of God in their lives so that together we can do more for the kingdom of God, the glory of God than we've ever been able to do on our own. Said that the purpose of giving apostles and teachers and prophets and evangelists and pastors was not so that we would look at those people and go, man, they're really good evangelists. They're really good pastors and teachers. That's a great apostle. They have the the great gift of mercy. They're really helpful. No, so that we would look at them and go, look how God works among us. God has gifted you. God desires to use you. Not so we can point at you and cheer on you and say, man, you're so talented. You're so amazing. So that we can see the work of God through you for the sake 
of all of us to find unity and the growing knowledge of the Son, Jesus Christ, to find the full measure all that God has in store for us. I'm going to ask Justin to come. So here's my challenge for you today. This is not going to be a sales pitch. I'm not going to tell you, though I could, that there are unbelievable serving opportunities here in the church. Not going to do that. But let the Holy Spirit work on you there. Not going to tell you that if you stop by the Next Steps tent, that you could sign up and serve and give of yourself here in this local body. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit convict you all the way home when you don't stop by that tent. (laughs) Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. In all sincerity. That if you are a believer... In Jesus Christ. And that you have not evaluated your heart. You haven't looked inside yourself and asked the question. Okay God what is it that you want to do through me for the sake of others. For your glory. Then you are missing one of the most incredible parts of a relationship with God. You're missing the part that actually provides this personal fulfillment that you get to watch and see as God works through you to do something that you didn't even, you didn't even know he could do. I mean, you didn't, you didn't even know he could do that because all it's just been in your hand. It's just been a shepherd's staff all the time that you've been holding it. But at some point, if you would trust him enough to release it to him, it turns into the miraculous. And it may scare you. You may look at that and go, that's, that's, that's not my old trusted shepherd staff anymore. I don't recognize that. That's not, that's not what it looked like when I was holding on to it. God wants to use you. God wants to do these incredible things through you. And you know what you have to do? You have to say, Yes. Without knowing the question. You have to be willing to just say. Okay God I trust you. I'm going to let it go. I don't know how you're going to use it. I don't know what you're going to do through me. I'm not sure what that looks like. And guess what I know saying this. It may take some of you away from this place. You release it to God. It may lead you somewhere else. And I know that. That's not the point of today's message. But I have to open my hand too and say, God, if these are the people that you've given to Mount Perrin North Canton campus, their ministry for your glory, for the sake of others, may not be in this building. And I know that. But it might. It might be right here in this community. It might be in your kid's school. It might be in a classroom down this hallway or it may be in your neighborhood. It may be standing on this stage or it may be in another country around the world. Are you willing to say yes to be used by God? Because you've been given grace. You've been given a free gift of grace because God, through his son Jesus Christ, looked at you and said, yeah, here. What do you do with it? Let's pray. God, my point today is not to beat people up. It's not to convict us all so we feel good for nothing. The point today is for all of us to look inside of ourselves and ask the question, am I willing to be used by God for a larger purpose than myself? Am I willing to be used by God? Am I willing for God to take me 
places and do things in and through me that I wouldn't have imagined otherwise? Am I willing to be used by God? And I pray today that there are many of us in this room that say yes. Maybe we've, maybe we've utilized some giftedness, spiritual giftedness in some way in our past. God, I pray today we would renew with you. We would afresh and anew say yes to you. For some of us that have never really done this, this is a brand new concept. We would look into our hands to see what it is that maybe you've, you've placed inside of us that we've held on to for ourselves. We've utilized it for other purposes, but today we would look to that and say, maybe God could use this. Maybe God could use this. Maybe God could work through me in ways I could never imagine. And so today I'm just going to release it to him and say, God, whatever it is that you want to do, do it. I'm in. Today, God, I pray for the courage and the boldness to say yes to you. I pray against now any attempt by the enemy or our own psyche that says, yeah, but you're not as good as someone else. Let's just keep working on it. Let's keep training ourselves. Let's keep studying. Let's keep practicing. No, right today. Let's just say yes. Let's see what God could do today. God, I pray that you would work through us.